think of I, I didn't want it to be like this program of all of us doing the same thing, but rather each person thinking about what does their body need in that moment? What does their narrative around exercise as medicine look like in their life? And to create their own project, but then using um, kind of a, a photo voice qualitative method of uniting us for, for a mechanism of sharing that. Mm. And Today, I am so excited to be talking to an incredible woman, uh, Miss Emma McGinnis. Her and I met at Ohio State uh, during our freshman year of college, and she is now a grad student at Colorado State University. But what makes Emma truly unique is that light and joy and passion that's right within her soul. So, I am so excited to dive into some incredible topics, uh, learn about some experiences that Emma has, and share a lot of insight that this girl is ready to shake up the world with. So with that, Emma, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. And likewise, friend, what a delight to be able to basically take the conversations that we have every time we're together um, virtual. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, So, you know, it's a really unique time right now. Quarantine, lots of loneliness, but um, I know you're always that bright spot of joy. Uh, Is there something or what have you learned or discovered during this kind of unique time we're all in? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to have to be careful about saying, ooh, that's a good question every time you ask me a question. (laughs) Um, I would say... Quarantine's been a unique experience in the sake of um, for how kind of dark and chaotic the world is right now. I feel like I've been able to live in a little bit of a blessing bubble um, here in Colorado with um, right now I'm in quarantine with my roommates. And yeah, just all kind of on the same page of um, how can we be making the most of this experience? Um, Obviously, it's a bummer of a lot of things being canceled, including graduation and um, my in-person thesis defense, but kind of just had the opportunity to just um, like let the frustration of that out on like one big lament on a long car ride. And now just um, really seeing the beauty and the fact of um, just spending this time with people and with reading and with um, working on my thesis and all that fun stuff. So yeah, I think that it's been a time of um, one, acknowledging the craziness and just um, how real the situation is, but also um, how can I be using this time as a blessing rather than a frustration, I think has been big over in our household. Mm, I love that. I love that blessing over frustration. Yeah. What a great outlook to have in so many areas of our lives. Um, So you are a grad student. You're studying exercise science. And what I love is your experience at Ohio State working with Cancer Fit. Can you tell us all a little bit more about what is Cancer Fit and how does movement and fitness play a role in the cancer world? And how did you get involved with that? Yeah, totally. Um, so starting back at Ohio State, this would have been junior year, um, my sweet mama was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, at the time, I was in a world of really not knowing what I wanted to do with um, my degree in exercise science. And yeah, just 
and dealing with how to um, navigate, you know, my mom going through treatment and me being miles away. And um, luckily she is doing great now. Um, cancer touched that woman's boob and she's kicking his ass. Um, <laughs> but I think I became very curious about kind of combining my degree with now um, a disease in a population that hit home. And so I, at Ohio State, got involved with an undergraduate research lab looking into more of the research world with oncology and exercise, and then um, ended up spending a semester uh, during undergrad in Denver working at a um, cancer exercise program within the University of Colorado Cancer Center. And that has been just a really unique experience that I've been able to shift here into my master's program. Um, so currently, I am on an assistantship here where I am actually like the program coordinator for something called the Fitness Therapy for Cancer program. So that's that, that Cancer Fit. We've switched names around a little bit. But um, that is essentially an outreach program that um, provides an opportunity for cancer survivors to come and go through a behavioral intervention. So not only the exercise component, but the mental aspect associated with that. Um, and then I'm running now a clinical trial for my thesis project with the program that I interned at at the Cancer Center. So, yeah, um, right now the research and literature world has been just overflowed with so much content about how beneficial exercise is along the cancer continuum um, from a disease progression standpoint, from a um, dealing with side effects and symptoms standpoint, um, not only like attenuating them, but also minimizing them. And um, yeah, so kind of we're at this, this point in the science world of knowing that exercise is so crucial for cancer survivors. Um, and so my interest is kind of how do you actually implement that and how do you actually get cancer survivors to be exercising and to be um, receiving this form of treatment, um, as we refer to in the, the exercise oncology world. That's awesome. That is so cool to see movement and fitness, you know, in, in our everyday life. It's always like, you know, move to look a certain way or whatnot, but to see it as like medicine, that is just, that's amazing. I love that. Oh, girl, you know, that's my jam. Yes. yes. And I mean, so much of, you know, what I've dedicated my schooling towards has been studying exercise as a form of medication in chronic disease. And yeah, it's so interesting. Um, you know, the shift of narrative that I, I mean, both of us just want to see happen and actually like seeing and experiencing exercise as medicine is just mm. so profound and, uh, I could get on such a tangent on just like the phrase of exercise as medicine. Um, yeah, just so um, important and definitely something that's not recognized by, I think, the general population a lot of the time. Definitely. Yeah, that exercise is medicine. It truly is. And um, is there any without like disclosing any personal information of patients or anything, but is there any story or person that really speaks to you that you worked with that? you saw like, wow, this exercise is medicine really working through them? Oh, totally. I mean, my favorite part of research is the people part by far. And um, to provide a little bit of context of what that research actually entails. Um, so for my thesis, I am um, doing a behavioral intervention with cancer survivors who are going through an exercise program. And 
I had the opportunity to be the interventionist on this clinical trial. So basically what that entails is every week I am meeting with survivors and we're diving into um, like the actual behavioral components centered around exercise and centered around a disease diagnosis. Um, and so, oh, it's so hard to pinpoint one. I literally like get to work with just the most <laughs> amazing people every week, but there um, is definitely one participant who sticks out to me the most. Um, when they were diagnosed with cancer, um, came as a complete and utter shock. There was no um, no lineage as far as family um, having cancer pre previously and just someone who had never exercised, never stepped on a treadmill before in her life. And so when her oncologist had referred her over to this program, um, I mean, <laughs> they had some sass towards the thought of having to move <laughs> as, you know, when someone's diagnosed with cancer, oftentimes the most frequently reported side effect is cancer-related fatigue. And so, you know, just like trying to learn and navigate a new foreign body, um, the thought of moving and of lifting weights is very intimidating, let alone to someone who's never done that before. Um, and so it's been so fun, I think is the first word that comes to mind. But walking with her through this, you know, from the the first week that they started to them finishing up the program, just watching a complete shift on the way that they are experiencing their cancer treatment, the way that they are, um, you know, psychologically processing the cancer diagnosis, and then just the enthusiasm towards um, lifestyle change. So outside of this um, disease state, outside of this hospital setting, just the, the shifting point. And it's almost like watching a light bulb click in someone of just how, um, how beneficial exercise and behavioral adaptations are just in every aspect of life. Um, yeah, just I could I could go on for days. It's so fun watching how different people process this um, and just learn learn their bodies as they are feeling like their bodies are failing them. Um, mm. Just provides a lot of varying emotions and opinions. And so, yeah, just a lot of different ways of processing what movement means in um, a diseased state. Mm. I love that. I love when you said, you know, when your body's failing you and then you still move your body, like how beautiful of a gift that is that when, you know, often, you know, when you think of moving for something bigger than yourself and it's, wow, like I'm not moving just to move to attain this exterior look. I'm moving yeah. because someone next to me, maybe doesn't have the opportunity to move or even what you spoke of, you know, how can we still move our bodies in what works for our body? Not what the world's telling us to move or not how we feel like we should, but moving in a way that honors the state that we're in. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, so true. And it's, it's a really interesting shift in the narrative too of, I mean, it used to be so much of a stigma as dying from cancer, shifting to living mm. with cancer. And Love so that. we're witnessing a huge influx as far as there's more survivors, which is awesome. You know, that's more people that are surviving this disease. But with that, it's a lot more people who are dealing with the long-term implications of cancer treatment. And so it's interesting, you know, we're shifting almost the, the doctor's perspective too, in the sake of, um, 
I feel like previously there was a very strong stigma towards someone sick. They need to rest. They need to stay in bed. Mm. And so now all of a sudden we have all of this scientific evidence showing the fact that, no, they should be moving. They should be um, up and active is just a really interesting um kind of shift that we're we're experiencing and I am so giddy to be able to be kind of one of those fueling factors pushing that ball up the hill because it's it's not standard of care yet but um hopeful that you know at some point when someone's diagnosed with cancer an exercise physiologist is going to be on that front line of of care as well yes I yes 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 amen girl uh so (laughs) I want to dive into the Purple Lace Project. So this is an incredible, um, you know, whole thing that Emma created. Um, And I want to hear it from your words, but I was fortunate enough to be a part of the first group. There was 10 of us and all about moving our bodies for something bigger than ourselves. So Emma, dive into what is the Purple Lace Project? Why did you create it? And what have you learned from creating this? Oh, yeah. Gosh, where, where to even begin? So... The Purple Lace Project is a little passion project of mine with some big dreams. And it's also something I like to refer to as my beautiful failure. And I know we've talked about that, but I mean that in the most optimistic way. Um, so, oh gosh, I'm not, I don't even know where to begin. So basically, when I started research um, and got the opportunity to be an interventionist on this study and just walking through cancer survivors on this physical activity journey. It was really unique because we would go into these behavioral concepts of why exercise and really diving into um, those motivators behind it, both from a health standpoint, from a um, vanity standpoint, just all across the board. And as you know, I was sitting here with adult cancer survivors who um, are talking about the fact of why they feel they can't be moving outside of anything cancer-related, those barriers, I just started having a lot of um, dots connect of a lot of dialect that a dialogue that I feel like I've um, walked through a lot of friends with, um, you know, being in a sorority and just the culture around why move. And So with that, I just, I became very intrigued by the fact that this is something that everyone is dealing with from someone who's healthy, not healthy, large, small, whatever that might look like. Just such a, um, how do I even describe it? Such a like poor outlook towards why we should be moving. Um, And I think that's culturally been the big influencer amongst that. And I just feel like it's almost been like ingrained into our upbringing of why we're moving and for a lot of aspects, the wrong reasons. Um, And so, you know, I study exercises medicine. I believe that like with every ounce of my being, um, especially taking all these classes, literally just like watching like physiologically why exercise is beneficial psychologically um and then just experiencing that in my own life and so I think I became very drawn into how I could be shifting that narrative towards pushing this exercise as medicine movement so currently my credential is as an exercise physiologist with the American College of Sports Medicine and we you know we talk about this all the time and I live in this little bubble of grad students who all believe this, rave about it. And I've just noticed this disconnect of like 
the conferences that we're going to, it's always exercise physiologists talking to exercise physiologists where how then is the community being um, part of that conversation and how is that being disseminated? Um, So that's kind of the motivator as far as like what started stirring. But then I became intrigued of how do you actually um, maybe change that narrative? And so right now I'm totally this little researcher in training and I've been really drawn to qualitative methods. And so I had this idea of how could I be um, maybe influencing a qualitative project that allowed people to really have to sit and answer the question why exercise, um, but doing it with a way that is against the grain of this um, Instagram culture of fitness that we live in of, um, you know, only progress being showed through a um, selfie or through Mm a photo photo of a scale or something. Or like Um, a before and after picture. Right. Totally. Like, and and I don't want to discount that because to someone that's Mm -hmm. like super motivating and I like, if that's you go for it. But I just like, I feel like that is really um hurting the problem more than helping in a lot of cases and that's a personal opinion but um anywho I just feel like it's it's only like propelling this um thought that that's the only form of why you should be moving or Mm. um the only form of like success and so anywho I I had this idea and I was sitting in metabolism class and I want to give a backstory of like where the purple lace part came into play. Um, and then I'll get to the metabolism class part. But when I was 20, I had the opportunity to spend some time over in Africa. And while I was over there, I got to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And that honestly could be a little podcast in itself <laughs> of just how cool that experience was. Um, but it was also the hardest thing I feel like I've ever done physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, at the time I was the only girl in a trucking company of 20 men. And so it was very terrifying, I would say is the biggest word. Yeah, Um, I can imagine. So just like, you know, just a really intriguing, pretty pivotal experience in my life. Um, and while we were on the mountain, um, I mean, it was such a joyful experience as well. And all of the porters or Sherpas would teach us Swahili and sing to us along the way. But the most common phrase on the mountain is pole pole, which is Swahili for slowly, slowly. And so much of this experience was us, you know, just walking all day long as I'm staring down at my shoes, just like saying pole pole, slowly, slowly. And I had literally bought hiking boots like maybe two months before leaving for this trip and had the most obnoxious purple lace boots. Um, And so anywho, flashback to this metabolism class, my professor started going on a tangent about altitude physiology for a sec. And so I totally just was daydreaming about Kilimanjaro. And I swear, I just like had this like aha light bulb moment of like, the purple lace project and (laughs) so it hit me of like all right that's it that's what I want to want to roll with this um qualitative photo voice method of uniting people through the lens of the purple laces um and so yeah I had the opportunity and you crushed it um, (laughs) but to really 
just kind of put it in the hands of those who did it in the sake of I I didn't want it to be like this program of all of us doing the same thing, but rather each person thinking about what does their body need in that moment? What does their narrative around exercise as medicine look like in their life? And to create their own project, but then using um, kind of a, a photo voice qualitative method of uniting us for, for a mechanism of sharing that. Mm. And it's kind of funny because I, I want to focus it on more of a, a future than a past tense because I feel like when the 10 of you went out and did this, I like to refer to it as um, my little pilot test. So in research, oftentimes when we are thinking of a new intervention, we will pilot test a small sample size going through a small intervention. And with that data, we'll either write that next grant or create that intervention off of. And so I feel like in some ways, this was my pilot test that I just threw something out there. And I mean, you and I both know I was a all over the place, didn't have like the structural backing of this, but was just curious and excited about it. And so kind of just threw it out there, see what stuck. And now I feel like I'm kind of going through and sorting what the learning points were from that um, with the hopes of kind of revamping, reorganizing and processing for what I want that to be in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, you know, we with this purple lace project um, of those 10 people, everyone got their own pair of purple laces Mm -hmm. uh, and we each had to write our goal. And I think for me, it being one of those 10, the coolest experience was just to see the wide range of goals and recognizing that no one goal was better than the other. Um, And I think when you, when you started this and creating that message with all of us was, what what is something that you know you want to do to make you feel better like truly on the inside or a goal that you're it's just going to shake you or make you get uncomfortable because when we get uncomfortable physically and push ourselves physically that then translate to okay I'm in this uncomfortable situation I can do it and so um to give a little context of my experience with purple lace and why I'm s- so glad Emma shared this and I'm really hoping and super excited to see where it goes in the future is she, um, I had been so afraid to run a marathon. I wanted to run a marathon, but as I talked about in a previous episode that I've struggled with orthorexia and my doctor told me at 17, like your heart will never be strong enough to run a marathon. Like don't even think about it. And so that was like a fear in the back of my head, but through recovery, I've gotten healthier. And so Emma brought these purple laces and said, you know, write a goal that's going to make you uncomfortable. And at this time, I had already done some halves and I've already done some other things. And I was like, you know what, for me, what's going to make me uncomfortable is to put that marathon on my goal. And man, that was quite the experience. I probably will do another episode just about that. But um, yeah, I'm so grateful for the Purple Lace Project. And the way that you're really changing the narrative and those the symbolism of those purple laces. So um, I'm so excited for you to continue to test this out, use your all your science experiments and um, see where this where this is going to go. Yeah, no, I'm excited, too. And I mean, both of us are avid journalers. And it, it's funny because I love reading back um, on things I've journaled in the past and 
I honestly feel like I'm like a five-year-old girl just like journaling about her like preschool crush when I write about this. (laughs) And so it's one of those things that I, when I started it, had such enthusiasm towards it. And I think I'm learning a lot as far as um, like, I feel like sometimes I can get very um, like my, what's the phrase as far as like stomach bigger than the plate I don't I'm totally mm, when your that. eyes are bigger <laughs> than your stomach yeah we're um like the excitement enthusiasm and I'm so ready to just put it out there and one thing I've learned a lot is the fact that um when I did that I I did that with the enthusiasm to start it but without the backing of what it was and so it's mm. kind of cool because I feel like I'm learning what it is through putting it out there, but I'm also learning the fact that sometimes the processing and the brainstorming and um, the things that are happening kind of behind the scenes are more important than just getting it out there. Um, oh, yeah. Especially like, you know, I started that in the midst of a crazy semester of grad school. And so just learning as far as like what is feasible too. Um, mm. But yeah, at the end of the day, um, so much of just what I hope to kind of embody with it is the fact that like we are made to move our bodies were created for movement um but how can we be like having a healthy relationship with that and how can we be moving it in a healthy way and modality um yeah and so I I love how you said too the fact that like how unique, how different people's goals were. Um, and that's kind of what I'm hoping to target moving forward is the fact that at the end of the day, health is not a one size fits all approach. And so how can we, um, Mm -hmm. kind of be fostering that and growing in that rather than trying to, um, adapt to something because everyone else is doing it or they lost this amount of weight because of that. But yeah, it's the same thing as like, while you like love running and like have just found such joy and such, um, you know, like peace with, with the mental side of being able to like think while running. And, um, I mean, I know you're out there in Seattle as you're going on on the lakefronts and the views that you're like experiencing. Um, that's so unique to you when then there's someone else who hates running with a burning passion and yes. so training for a marathon is the worst goal that like they could come up with. And so just, yeah, tailoring into the fact of how can exercise be a form of medicine, yes. something that just like a pill you take on the daily, but, or weekly, whatever, like, you know, it works for you. Um, like how can you be, yeah, just like really personalizing that to yourself. Definitely. And I love what you said. Health is not a one size fits all, just like life. Life is not a one size fits all. We all have our own path. So um, I want to dive in. I know you said, you know, relationships with our bodies and movement and maybe go get a little vulnerable here, but how has your relationship with your body been growing up, maybe even as a young woman, I bet living in or being in a sorority, that's, that's challenging too. So how has your relationship with your body evolved over time? Ooh. So I'd say growing up, I played club soccer my entire life. And so I think all through high school, I was very naive to like the fact that like body image would come like as a challenge in college just because I was in a place of like constantly fit constantly active literally could like eat an entire buffet and have a six pack like it was 
not something that I think I, I experienced much growing up. And I think the college point, just like so many, so many women was that shifting point. And I think when first moving to college, I had placed a lot of identity in feeling like I was one of my fit friends. You know, I, I did my mm-hmm. first half while I was in high school. I did the soccer. And so it was kind of wild moving to college where all of a sudden, like, there's a lot of awesome girls out there doing those same things. And it was kind of like feeling like where was the identity shift in this of like, I was the like fit friend and I felt this way. Um, and so my freshman year, I went in as an exercise science major and I was so drawn into learning about health and learning about nutrition and learning about exercise. But I think with that, I also got very wrapped up in this false belief of what it meant to be an exercise science major and Mm. what someone studying this field needed to look like, what someone studying in this field needed to have this expertise in. Um, And so I think that my freshman year, I struggled a bit with navigating um, some obsessive behavior and just navigating, I think it's really rooted in identity of like feeling like, okay, if I wasn't the only one who had run a half before, if I wasn't the only one who had done this before, at least I'm this exercise science major, so I know more about it, Um, which is so stupid looking (laughs) back now. Um, And so I I would say that that would be like the first time that I really felt a little... um, just like uncertain of my body and of um, what what that meant. Um, I also felt like at the time too that in order to like be an exercise professional that I had to be super muscular. I had to be this way. And literally like that is like one thing I've learned so much about myself is the fact like I am the definition of like an ectomorph body type like I do not put on muscle easily no matter how much I try and so it's been this funny journey of like how much that meant to me at the time to like accepting the fact that like physiologically that is not the way that I was built Mm. or created and um so I think that at the time um like I said, in freshman year, kind of dabbled in um, some unhealthy behavior, but was really blessed by the community I had around me. And just, um, yeah, just my faith really came into play in that and really kind of shaking and making the decision of I could let this like drive, be the driving force. Or Mm -hmm. if I want to be someone influencing and working with, you know, patients and people like, I I need to walk out health and like authentic, genuine health in my own life, um, kind of from the lines of you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, yes. Yeah. And so I feel like that was a big shifting point for me um, moving to Colorado. And I feel like same in a lot of ways, the Seattle for you, too, has been honestly such a game changer in the way that I view health and exercise too. Um, it was interesting, like the gym culture, um, in college versus, you know, when you live in a place that you have such authentic beauty and activity, very accessible, just how often it is more so of like going for experiences rather than going for achieving a certain, um, you know, external outcome. Um, 
yeah. And so I, I'd say I still have to fight that. What does it mean that, you know, I, I'm about to have a master's degree in this and I'm an exercise physiologist, but like I have noodle arms and I love my noodle arms. Like (laughs) you just gotta, like, you have to like come to the point of this is the body that like I have been given and that I, um, am going to live and experience inside of. And so rather than constantly trying to like change it into something that's not attainable, not Mm. achievable, nor, um, from the right reasons, um, yeah, just how can you navigate that then to be more accepting and just owning what you got and walking with it. And just, if I want to be able to walk through this journey with my research participants, it's like so vital that I'm walking through this authentically, um, Mm. in my own life too. Yes. Yes. What you speak about so much with, especially when you said, you know, this is my body and this is how I experience it. And my body is my body and her body is her body. And just, embracing what that means like mm, so much goodness in there um and you speak about identity and I love that call out and I think especially um and I don't want to speak for others but I I see it I see it in young women I see it in boys too you know and especially with social media and our identity so much wrapped up into that approval of others How did you shift from having like being fit and being the runner or being whatever as your identity to something that now is just a part of your lifestyle? It's not Emma is not runner. Emma is Emma who likes to run. How how did that shift for you? Oh, I love that reference. Um, That's a that's a good question to think on. I think personally, faith has been a huge driving force in that for me. Um, One of my favorite, favorite, favorite verses is that it's in Psalms that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. And I just like, oh, that gets me going in the sake of like, we, um, we were created as we were intended to be like no mistake was made in that process. And I think just accepting that has been a huge component of, you know, being an exercise science major is something I do. It's not who I am, you know, Mm -hmm. being, um, a triathlete runner, whatever that might be is something I do. It's not something I am or who I am. Um, and so I, I love this topic because I think it's so, so unique, especially even like tuning into the name of your podcast is starting from within. Um, in Colorado, I feel like this experience has been so life-changing in the fact of just really taking the time to sit in a lot of things. Um, and trust me, I feel like you and I are two peas in a pods of go, 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 overachiever, bucket list goer, like always just like aiming for that. And so really taking the step back to, um, like sit in and process, um, has been a really, um, like painful, beautiful, um, changing moment in my life of just actually like, what am I called to do? Why, um, am I the way I am for (laughs) lack of a, a better word? And I, um, recently it took this workshop where we had to sit down and come up with a purpose statement over our life. And it was a really unique, um, 
unique activity that she had us do where where the context behind it was that this statement needs to be able to transition with you through every season of life, through Mm. any work experience, any relationship, any really any predicament moving forward. And it was kind of um, intimidating because it's like, okay, I need to like literally figure out why I'm here like all at once. But as I did this, my little nerdy mindset first went to like a brainstorming chart. And so I literally sat there and I've become very drawn by names just in the sake of like, you will be Allison for the rest of your life. Even if you take someone's last name, like Allison is like that first name that you're drawn to and like you embody that. And so I just sat there with Mm. Emma, like written in the center of this page and found myself just writing things I like to do, things I feel like I'm good at, things I feel like I suck at, um, just around this little bubble of my name. And with this was able to come up with this purpose statement where I feel like I am rooted in this as my identity. Um, It's something that can be like transitional and it's something that I can take then and bring that into my work as a graduate student into my, um, racing as triathlon. Um, yeah. And so I feel like actually taking the time to sit and like really open the can of worms of why I am the way, (laughs) the Mm. way I am, um, has been that identity shift for me. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. Um, was there anything from your purpose statement that, you know, that comes to mind or are there any words that, you feel really helped to give you that sense of rootedness or identity? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, we're getting vulnerable. (laughs) Um, I'll share some. And then if you're listening to this, ask me to coffee and I'd love to talk about the rest. Um, So I am totally like I love playing on letters and on words. And so as I as I saw Emma written in the middle of that, I tried to figure out, okay, what words like represent Emma um and I'll share a few that I just like I've really like sat through and meditated on and that's empowerment movement meaningful interaction art and adventure like Mm. those words are like ones that I feel like are really core to me and so that kind of marks the start of this purpose statement of mine but but what is unique about that is the fact of empower e so like here to help here to help others simple as that how can I be loving how can I be motivating and how can I be um empowering to the movement first m um that's something that I feel like I am the best form of myself when I'm seeking some form of movement throughout the day and that's such a big part of the fact that, you know, I've gone, um, to school for exercise and I do this in my own life. And I, um, you know, I feel like this is kind of like the one thing that even if I took a drastic career shift, um, tomorrow and had nothing to do with exercise science, like still feel like I'm here to like help people seek movement through a different outlet. Um, and the meaningful interaction part is just centered on, um, maintaining some genuine curiosity towards others. Um, one of my favorite quotes by Dale Carnegie, a author, and I'm sure he's gotten this from other people, but is the fact that everyone's a teacher. Um, and yeah, I'm just like in this phase of curiosity towards people. Um, 
total little TEDx junkie too of just like how can you be having like authentic conversation and I'm not as I literally I hate small talk with every ounce of my being I would much rather like sit over coffee and contemplate the meaning of life with someone you and me both girl (laughs) oh yes like really want to embody that um and then last a I couldn't decide on one so I came up with adventure and art and those are just um where I feel like I'm most Emma is having that um adventurous spirit wanting to be that that mountain climber and that um experience new things whether that be in a different country or at a different place within my community um and then art is something like love to create to cultivate and in finding that in this season um just artwork drawing and painting and just kind of exploring that and that's something I want to kind of carry on with life so yeah those are my my like Emma portion of my purpose statement but like I said we can go (laughs) yes we'll, we'll continue on yes so powerful so so powerful and like you said, that transcends in so many areas of our lives. I, It's funny that you talk about this. So being in quarantine life right now, I'm, I'm at home in Cleveland with my family and my hey, mom. Mama Sue. Oh, yes. Mama Sue. So she has been going through old stuff and digging up everything. And it's been writings, you know, from when I was five to eight to seventh grade and The things that I'm finding on there are still some things that I find so much joy in. And that's also when I feel like I'm living my truest expression. Like on my seventh grade bucket list was to do a triathlon. And right now I'm training to do my first triathlon. So like, it's just, it's just things like that are like helping others and empowerment. And so I love that you speak about those things because um, I challenge everybody to maybe take some time just like who are you without the rest of the world, without any external, with no Googling, no like, what should I be? What's right? What's wrong? Like, screw all that. Who are you at the core? Like, that's oh, so powerful. I love that. Well, and girl, that's so unique too. And the sake of like the name of this podcast is starting from within. And like what you're promoting in that is take out what's being portrayed to others take out what um you know you want to be portrayed as like when you are sitting in a room and it is you in a pencil and a journal like what do you want to be cultivating in that and that's I just I echo you so much in that and like look at you taking that like seven-year-old Allison's like dreams and putting them into life and putting them into action and I just I I think that's so beautiful and like like you're making your younger self proud. And I also like to think future oriented, like your future daughter, your future son, like your future best friend, like just, yeah. How are you cultivating um, something that is going to be a driving force towards the the message you want to portray in those actions? So you train for that triathlon girl. (laughs) I'm like keeping my fingers crossed that I have a job by then and then we can do it together. (laughs) Yes, girl. Yes. Yes. Just love that. Love it. Okay. So you speak about younger self and, you know, and then also future daughter. So you could use either lens, but either your future, a future daughter, if you choose to have kids or your younger self, like if you could tell that figure anything, what, what would it be? Mm. So I actually 
this is so cheesy. Again, Brene Brown vulnerability. <laughs> I each year like to pick a different theme for a journal project. And I actually had done a journaling year of like writing to a future daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that like definitely is on my heart. Like what's what joy that would be and an honor to be able to like raise the next generation. Um, okay. Cheesy moment over. So I'm, I'm going to address to like future daughter. And I think the biggest message I would want to give is the fact that your body was created exactly as it like was intended to be. And this, again, I love Dale Carnegie. He, um, and his lifetime success series has a whole chapter just on, um, like, who you were created to be. And I think it's like one out of 400 billion chances that you were even created. And so it's, it's like a matter of stopping to trying to like fight against that odd and just viewing it as the like unique standpoint that, that you were created, like every hair on your head, every freckle on your skin, um, exactly as it was intended to be. But then also recognizing like you are given one body, like, one, you don't get a second chance. Like how you love on that body and how you um, talk to it, treat it, how you um, move it, how you um, nourish it. Like that is, is going to go so much farther than the abs for spring break. It's going to go so much farther than coming across that finish line. And just like, to be honest, I think I would say like, buckle up, you're in it for the long haul. Like, like just yes. in the sake of like, that same body is the one that like may have children one day, maybe like that 90 year old who's still running a marathon. Just like we live in this culture that's so drawn by instant gratification. And so kind of, I think I'd want to present it more of like, look at the lifespan. Um, or in, in my world of research, we talk about this health span a lot of not mm. only like years on earth, but years of health. Um, yeah. And so just kind of, sometimes the delayed gratification, um, will really triumph over that instant, um, fleeting, fleeting moment too, or goal. Yes. Oh, yes. So good. So good. Um, okay. I have one final question and we, we've alluded to a bit, uh, with this being the start from within podcast, what does it mean to you to start from within? So when I hear the word within, instantly I think of that intrapersonal relationship versus interpersonal relationship. And I think that taking the time to really just um, honor that intrapersonal relationship and like work on it like just like any relationship with another an interpersonal relationship like it takes work and it takes effort and it's like there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows so one honor that time take that time that's the best time that you could give to yourself because that intrapersonal relationship is only going to influence those interpersonal Mm. um relationships I also feel like Sorry, I'm going to go on analogy mode and then I'll stop. No, keep <laughs> but, going. But the other the other thing that came to my mind, and this is based off something you said earlier too about um, kind of like out of the spotlight, what does that look like? Um, 
we live in this world where we're so drawn to prove and to show and to um, share. And I think that's a beautiful thing, but don't deny the process that happens behind the scenes. Mm. Um, one of my favorite, favorite analogies, um, I'm trying to think, I, a woman named Christine Kane gave it in a sermon, but it, like it's so applicable, religious or not. Um, and it's this process of film or photo. And I'm not a photographer, so totally going to butcher this process, but I'll try my best. But if you were that um, photo that is, you know, first taken and then has to be taken into this dark room to develop and it is going to like sit through chemicals that burn, that sting and that um, aren't fun to be a part of. Um, and then, you know, hang for a little bit on the line before going through the next round of processing and it's this dark room that development is happening. And, you know, this photo, like, you just want to share it. You just want to bring it to light. But, like, if you were to reveal that to the light too early, it wouldn't have developed into the photo that it was intended to be. And just, like, that's so true for you, for me, and for every person in the sake of the dark room is where, like, the authentic development is unraveling in order for you to, like, be shown to the light as the beautiful photograph that like you are and that you have developed into. And so, yeah, I guess my, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm all oh. full of quotes and analogies, but just don't underplay that processing time, even though that like energy to show and share is there. Oh, my soul is full. <laughs> oh man. I love that. I've never heard that analogy. So Wow. What, what a gem. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. Um, this was absolutely incredible. I am so excited to share this out with the world. Thank you so much, Emma. Oh, I just have to say into you too, like what an honor and joy it is to be your friend and just, I, to everyone listening, just need to rave about Allison Pesta for a second. <laughs> like this girl and I, really I feel like our friendship blossomed outside of college like post-college years and it's been so fun for us to be able to connect just on having this urge to make a change in this world and in this exercise scene and I just want you to know that like I am so proud of you for starting this and just taking that step to like be bold and be authentic and I just want you to know that like I feel empowered by you doing this. And I am so giddy for all the people that you are going to like empower through this. So thank oh, you for letting me make this like you. little pocket of that. Um, yes. What a joy. Thanks so much for tuning into the Start From Within podcast. My name is Alison Pesta and... Remember, we all have to start from somewhere, so why not start from within? You are always, always enough.